Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. We will speak with Darren Gann on the NFL in our third hour. Your Panthers went down hard, led by two touchdowns in the first quarter against Washington at home. Things look to be moving along swimmingly. Not so much. 29-21, Washington was the final score. Ron Rivera and the Panthers have lost four straight. Some of the run defense problems, by the way, are directly related to no K.K. Short, injured. No Don Terry Poe, injured. Limited Gerald McCoy because of injury. Two of those guys, remember, are signed to be back next year. Harder to find answers on the offensive line uh, for what is right now just a bad offense. Kyle Allen keeps turning the ball over and was sacked seven times. They're not blocking well for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they're not doing much of anything right, and there aren't as many answers on the roster, at least as it is signed through next year. More on that a little bit later. Darren Gant from NBC Sports on all things NFL in about 60 minutes. Joining us now on all things college football, one of of our favorites from ESPN and ESPN Radio and the SEC Network. Ryan McGee, welcome back to the David Glenn Show, man. How are you? I'm good. I hope everybody uh, in your neighborhood got through Thanksgiving okay. Yes, no doubt about it. Good times, good football, good family, good fun, and all the rest. I liked your lunchbox note of the day. This might be an even better joke visually than it is on a sports radio show, uh, but go ahead and tell us what type of music do elves listen to at the North Pole? Rap with a, with a W. But um bump. Well done, Ryan McGee. There you go. No, it's, uh, and and the, the, big, the big question this year, I'm a little too open about the dad jokes on Marty McGee. <laughs> and uh, the joke was, the question was, was my daughter still going to buy into this as a high school freshman? And the answer is that yes, but I'm pretty sure she reads them like in secret under the table so that no one can see them. <laughs> well done. Fo follow Ryan for his dad jokes and other things at ESPN McGee on Twitter. A lot of folks dislike teams and people who win a lot. And the Alabama Crimson Tide lost to Auburn and will miss the college football playoff for the first time in the history of that format. I saw highlights left and right of that Nick Saban guy screaming bloody murder, pulling his hair out, and even blaming the referees in the aftermath. Did he have any good points, or was this just one of those years where, from the injury to Tua Tungavaloa and others earlier this season, I mean, not even almighty Alabama can overcome all things every year, right? Yeah, and I think that's it. And I think you saw the frustration of a man that, that knew. I mean, listen, a year ago, uh, you know, they rolled into the SEC championship game, and Tua was supposedly back at 100%. And uh, I was at that game, and they should have lost. And Jalen Hurts came off the bench and won the, the SEC championship, but Tua was, had to go to surgery. And so, of course, when we were all out in, in, in uh, California for the national championship game, and they got hammered, and it just has been a little off. And, uh, but I'll say this, and you know this, I come from a, an official, a, a former AC, longtime ACC official and dad, but he had a, Saban had a pretty good point at the end of the first half. Uh, normally, I mean, the rule of thumb is it takes three seconds uh, to run a play. He did not have a good point at the end of the game. And, uh, and Nick Saban needs to be thanking uh, the kid from Ole Miss because uh, that penalty was the dumbest penalty, not just of the weekend, yeah. but of the season. Uh, and as a result, 
Um, Alabama, at best, was going to have the second dumbest penalty of the weekend, <laughs> which was a substitution infraction. Now, listen, they just got deeped. I mean, yeah. they got faked out, and that's all that was. And, and say what you want about Gus Malzahn, um, and a lot of Auburn fans say a lot about him, but, you know, as seat of the pants as he can be, uh, between the kick six and, and Deacon, uh, you know, uh, faking, doing the head fake and then having a 12th man on the field, that's pretty good. It's one in two iron balls. <laughs> you know, I laugh, and you know this, because uh, you've spent so much time here in North Carolina. Alabama will finish, pending their bowl result, either 11-2 and two or 10-3, and three, which at schools around here would be one of the best seasons in the oh. history of the program, right? Oh. And yet at Alabama, it's like a disaster, right? Uh, they're going to be so angry if they end up in, like, you know, the Citrus Bowl. Yes. Right? And, 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 and if, if, uh, if, you, if I go to NC State, Carolina, give me anybody, Duke, you give me anybody and say, yeah, 10 double-digit wins in the Citrus Bowl, you say thank you very much. We're going to fast forward to January right now. And yeah, so so this that so I grew up in Raleigh, as you know. That's the world I grew up in. And then when I went over the border um, into uh, Tennessee as a college student, I learned very quickly that uh, it's just kind of a different world and a different level of expectation over there. Which, by the way, is how guys like Barry Odom and Matt Luke found themselves out right. of jobs. With that in mind, question about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, because I looked at his track record, Brian, and similar to what we just described, if the Wolverines win a bowl, and of course they just got crushed by rival Ohio State this weekend, 56-27, to the number one Buckeyes stay unbeaten, as did number two LSU and number three Clemson, Georgia, Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor, the best of the one-loss resumes, also won this weekend. If the Wolverines win a bowl for Jim Harbaugh, they will have four 10-win seasons in his five seasons there, and they'll have four top 15 in the country finishes in his five years there. Again, those would be among the best seasons in the history of our state's FBS teams. Yet, the conversation, because he's been there five years now and is still not only losing to Ohio State but getting trounced by the Buckeyes and losing to other rivals – I mean, how? What's going on there? The guy makes more than seven million a year. I've been I've been impressed by what he did with the 49ers in the NFL and Stanford and some other coaching stops. He's clearly done a lot more good than bad with the Wolverines, but you can't get crushed by your arch rival to, uh, forever. What's going to happen to the seven million dollar man who I think has a couple years left on his deal? I think that he has one more year um, to prove whatever. Now, I you know I think it's no secret that uh, he has let it be known indirectly that if anyone in the NFL would like to call, he probably would not, He probably would return their phone call. Um, I don't think there's any secret about that. But that being said, you know, it's all about what you did in the only couple of games that matter. And we'll put it in tobacco road terms. You know, if, if you win uh, games and you go to Final Fours and you beat everyone in the world but you can't beat Duke, then you don't get to stay in Chapel Hill. And I'm pretty sure that if, if Coach K had had a hard time over the last 20-whatever years, 30 years defeating North Carolina, he wouldn't have kept that job. And, you know, NC State has made a pretty good living of going through coaches who couldn't win certain ball games, but also had pretty good years. So, in the end, I mean, listen, and again, going back to my Tennessee alum days, uh, Johnny Majors lost his job because all he did was win 10 or 11 games a year his last four or five years on the job, couldn't beat Alabama. And so you have to win those games. And Jim Harbaugh has yet to beat Ohio State. He just now figured out how to beat Michigan State. 
and he, I think he's won one bowl game in the time he's been there. So you, you have to win the games that matter uh, to the fan base, and, uh, and he just simply has not done You only got to win one game. I mean, the reality right. is if he, if he went 1-11, but the game that he won was the last game on the calendar, that would probably buy him more time than he's currently being given. Ryan McGee joining us on Twitter, at ESPN McGee. Find his bottom 10 rankings and other great college football coverage at ESPN.com, where he is a senior writer of distinction on all things college football and motorsports and other things. Check out the Marty and McGee show as well on the SEC Network and on ESPN Radio. I'm a big believer in Dabo Sweeney. And I feel like I agree with the guy. He just has a good head on his shoulders. Nine times out of ten, at least, when Dabo says something, I find myself nodding my head in agreement. And I find him fascinating even beyond the football sense of of fascinating. When he said this weekend that, you know, the committee's looking for reasons to keep Georgia in and they're looking for reasons to keep the Clemson Tigers out, I I wondered – do you think he really believes that? Because Clemson does not have a win over a top 25 opponent right now. I mean, it's not like the the numbers don't back up at least some skepticism toward the Tigers. It's not Clemson's fault that the ACC is down. but Or do you think that that's an internal kind of motivation, us against the world type thing? That's all it is. He's just circling the wagons in upstate South Carolina. And, you know, we, we've seen Nick Saban do something similar over the years where – you know, he, I was at the press conference where he asked, asked us to write bad right. things about the team because <laughs> he needed motivational topics. And, you know, it turns into an us versus them thing, and that's all he's doing. But it's insanity. It's crazy. I mean, he, you're exactly right. Listen, no one else in the conference has more than nine wins. Right. And, and so this is the conference you're in. This is what you've been dealt. But to say that you're being disrespected when you went into the season as preseason number one for the first time in the history of the program, stayed there. And, yes, I understand there was a week in the college football rankings where I think they were sitting outside the top four. Everyone knows that doesn't matter. All that matters is you're in the four at the end. And so that's all he's doing. And, and I get it. And he's going into the game here where I live in Charlotte this weekend against Virginia is, you know, what, like a, like a four-touchdown favorite or close to it. And so I, I get all that. He's just trying to keep his guys motivated. But it, it's just tired. It just gets old. You know, it, it's just, um, you know, it's us versus them. And listen, I graduated high school down there. Know those people very well. They're all about being disrespected. Yeah. And so he, he knows exactly what he's doing. But to say that the rest of the nation doesn't respect the program and then to say that the college football playoff committee is sitting in a room trying to figure out how to put Georgia in. And he specifically mentioned Georgia, which there's only one other school you can mention other than South Carolina that will get that firebase right. fired up, and that, that's to say Georgia. We're being disrespected because of Georgia? And so, yeah, I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. But uh, you can only go to that well so many times is the problem. And if you keep going to it, it just makes you look a little, a little bit like a stooge. Going into tomorrow night's committee rankings, and obviously this coming weekend we have all these conference championship games, It's I think it's safe to say that if you're Ohio State or LSU or Clemson or number 4 Georgia – as long as you win this weekend, you know that you're in. And, of course, only one can win between LSU and Georgia. And then the only other teams that I can see a path, Ryan, would be the Big 12 champion, whether it ends up being Ohio, uh, Oklahoma at 12-1 and or Baylor at 12-1. and They play each other, of course. 
or if Utah takes out Oregon, they would be the 12 and one Pac-12 champ. Is it really down to those seven, or is there some crazy road where it can get more complicated than that? No, I think that's it, and I think what it'll come down to is what's your worst loss. And you know, if if it's Utah, then you know your worst loss was by a touchdown in the Coliseum at USC and still had a chance to win the game. And, and, and this is what I like is I like the fact that context matters in these games. You know. You look at, you know, LSU's win over Texas early in the year. You get style points for that because you're at Texas at the time it was a top ten matchup, and at the time matters with this group. You know, sitting in a room talking about football. So yeah, I don't think there's any way anyone else can crash the party. The the big the Big Twelve thing's fascinating because, um, you know, Oklahoma's got that loss to Kansas State, which is not a good loss. Um, but then if Baylor gets revenge for the only loss on their calendar, the, the problem Baylor has is they don't schedule anyone outside the conference. Right. Now, next year they start the year with Ole Miss, but I've hammered on them all year about the fact that maybe you would have been better prepared in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma when they blew it, what, a 25-point lead, had you played someone that, other than Stephen F. Austin, no offense Stephen F. Austin, you know, in the first half of the year. So I think that's the uh, – what's going to hurt Baylor is what hurt them in the first year of the college football playoff, which is you have to at least show a willingness to schedule someone. And if you like Oregon, if Oregon Oregon played Auburn and in a neutral site and they lost that game, if if they had been in the mix this weekend, right, you know they would have gotten credit for that because they tried to play. So it's um, it's it, it's an interesting question, but uh, but yeah, if everyone wins out, it's chalk. But uh, but everyone's not going to win out because at least two of those teams going to play each other. To me, the hardest thing to predict, and I want your thoughts on this. If, let's just say LSU beats Georgia and Clemson and Ohio State also win, so we have three of our final four, and Georgia would be out in that scenario. If it's 12-1 Oklahoma, where they have, at that point, they would have four wins over the top 25, two over Baylor, one over Oklahoma State, one over Iowa State or Texas, if someone's lingering toward the end of the top 25 there, against a Utah team that right now, doesn't have any wins over the top 25, yet the Utes crush people in ways that the Sooners do not. I'm not sure the committee has truly chimed in on what would be the better-looking 12-1 and conference champion, the one with more uh, top 25 wins or the one that just annihilates people the way the Utes have been doing. And and both have star quarterbacks. Um, You know, star power absolutely matters in that room. And so both have star quarterbacks. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a great question, and um, you know, the argument against Oklahoma would be they don't play defense. Well, you could argue that about LSU as well. You know, LSU's defensive numbers are terrible, and so I get it. Um, but it's it's going, and, and Utah is the team they have talked about the least uh, as far as the question. And that's because it's a Pac-12 team, and because, honestly, the questions have been thrown at the committee like they have with other schools. So I'm fascinated by Utah. I went out there the week of the USC game, because that's what I do this this year, DG. I go write stories about teams, and then they lose the game the next year. <laughs> I did Georgia, Utah, I did it at App State. And, uh, and so I, 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 it really is a, it's the one team we haven't heard that much about from the committee. And I'm curious to see, and, and maybe maybe style matters. Maybe a lack of style matters. Maybe you want to put Utah in there because, you know, you got a bunch of shootout schools, and then you've got a school that kind of plays old school like Kyle Winningham likes to do. So it's fascinating, man. And listen, anybody that tells you the playoff needs to be expanded is not paying attention because the playoff started about three weeks ago, and it certainly at the very least started this past weekend 
and rivalry weekend. And it, at the absolute least, starts this weekend with a conference championship. You and I both sat in that press box in Charlotte a lot of Saturday nights watching a lot of ACC championship games that didn't matter. Right. And uh, and there's no question since the playoff uh, has, has come along, every single one of those games has mattered. Last thing for you. We, of course, are following the App State uh, story here in our backyard. If the Mountaineers beat Louisiana and win another Sun Belt title, is the best estimate that they would need both 11-1 Memphis to lose in the AAC title game and they would need Boise State of the Mountain West to lose, I think it's at home to Hawaii in the Mountain West. Like, I just can't see both of those things happening for what would be a 12-1 App State team to end up in that New Year's Six Bowl as the representative of the group of five. Yeah, and it's a shame if you're a Mountaineer because it's going to come down to that one weird Halloween night, and they just play flat. You know, I was in the building that Monday, wrote a column uh, about the team that Thursday, and uh, all and every TV monitor in the building that day, they were showing a replay of the Georgia Southern loss the year before. And I felt like that was kind of a rookie mistake by the coaching staff because I felt like maybe they were pressing the issue a little bit. And as a result, I thought the team wasn't the only reason, but I thought the team looked pretty flat on Thursday night. So, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of what it could have should have. They're going to need help from both of those teams. And I don't know a lot about uh, you know the kind of climate you grew up in, DG, but if you're from Hawaii, I don't like your chances of going into Boise. Uh, no, not at all. Hawaii is one of my favorite places on earth. I've been there multiple times. There is nothing about Boise, Idaho. No. That would be comfortable or recognizable. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and it ain't just the altitude. <laughs> no, no. There's a whole lot going on there. Well done, Ryan McGee. A belated happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. We are thankful, of course, for your regular visits here on our show. Keep up the good work, my friend. You too, buddy. Thanks. All right. One eight hundred eight four nine two seven six one. Darren Gant on the NFL live in about forty five minutes. Ryan McGee on the college football playoff picture. If you are a fan of Oklahoma or Baylor, obviously you got to win this weekend in the Big 12 title game and get help. If you're a fan of Utah, you got to beat Oregon and really still hope. The, the teams that know if Ohio State beats Wisconsin in the Big 10 title game, they're in, of course. If LSU beats Georgia, the Tigers are in, of course. If Clemson beats UVA, the Tigers are in, of course. If Georgia upsets LSU, the Bulldogs are in, of course. After that, it gets a little bit harder to predict. But as Ryan McGee said, it's a playoff of sorts, right? There's only seven or eight teams that have any road to the Final Four right now. So it's not an eight-team playoff per se. But here on December 7th, I mean December 2nd, excuse me, basically it feels like the quarterfinals with seven or eight teams still in the mix. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. As we come at you live in almost 300 North Carolina cities and towns, we are continuing to collect best and worst of the extended Thanksgiving weekend votes. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? Ole Miss's urinating dog celebration penalty, a worst of the weekend. Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens and his pit started a t-shirt a worst of the weekend Tom Brady and the struggling Patriots offense yes New England is 10 and 2 but since a really good September Tom Brady believe it or not has been an ordinary 
NFL quarterback, and the Patriots fell to the Texans yesterday. Still a nice-looking 10-2 record. Nobody in the NFL has a better record at this point, but New England's offense, a worst of the weekend, and it's been a trend. Alabama and Michigan and NC State, also worst of the weekend in college football. App State, UVA, UNC, Charlotte, and others join the big boys in college football as the best of the weekend as well. 1-800-849-2761. Was Dabo Sweeney, did you even hear his comments? Is the Clemson coach right when he says there's a double standard for the ACC in the sport of football? We'll give you Dabo in his own words. I think Ryan McGee is probably right that it is more an internal message for his players and maybe even his own fan base more than a logical argument that the Tigers' resume deserves more respect. I'll give you more of my thoughts on that as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. The Ravens, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Buffalo Bills of former Panthers defensive coordinator Sean McDermott, all best of the weekend. Ron Rivera and your struggling Carolina Panthers lead the worst of the weekend vote. You have questions, we have answers, we have more of our own best and worst of the weekend. The college football coaching carousel continues to spin. Six vacancies in the Power Five leagues and maybe more to come. The bowl invitation list will get some clarity over the next 24 hours. More on that story as App State and UVA and Virginia Tech and UNC and Wake Forest and Charlotte and others we know well are headed to the postseason. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. The Hurricanes and the Hornets had mixed bag weekends. I was there to see some of that. Took in a lot of NFL, took in the Wolfpack Tar Heels football game, took in a Carolina Hurricanes home hockey game on Friday night. We'll get to more of those things with more of your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Extended Thanksgiving Weekend. Best thing you saw in the sports world over these last five days. Worst thing you saw. What made it that? You can play best of. You can play worst of. You can give us one of each. I'll give you more of mine while asking this question rhetorically. Why do they call it a traveling circus? Why didn't the circus just, you know, pick a place, stay there? Why? Because people want to see something new and different. And no matter how fantastic the flying Walendas might be, no matter how great seeing the guy shot out of the cannon might be, eventually people want to see something different. And that's why it's a traveling circus. You move to the next town and you show them the same flying Walendas or the guy shot out of the cannon or the animals or the magicians and all the rest. People want something new. As we come to your calls, best and worst of the weekend, I raise that point because I have been asked the question, why was Steve Adazio, seven years into being the Boston College head football coach, fired this weekend? But after, remember, the Eagles are going to a bowl. They finished 6-6, six and six, so they're bowl eligible. One of the 10 teams in the ACC that did make that threshold. Remember, it's Syracuse and NC State 
and the Duke Blue Devils along with Georgia Tech that fell short of that threshold. So the Devils and the Wolfpack home for the holidays. Ten ACC teams made it, including 6-6 six and six Carolina. Mac Brown, Sam Howell, and the Tar Heels best of the weekend for drubbing the Wolfpack at Carter-Finley. But BC did get bowl eligible, but Steve Adazio got fired. NC State fell short of bowl eligibility, but Dave Doran was retained. The reason Dave Dorn is retained, or among the reasons, I will say, is the circus concept. And what I mean by that is Boston College fans got tired of finishing 6-6. Six and six. If you look at Steve Adazio's record, he had only one bad team in seven years. And you might think, wow, that's pretty good. Boston College has really high academic standards compared to most Power 5 football programs. You know, this is the school that sent Matt Ryan into the NFL at quarterback and Luke Keekley to your Carolina Panthers at linebacker. And they have a great offensive line tradition, and they have the Doug Flutie tradition. And that fan base, while smaller than most, does care a lot about football, in part because of that tradition. Well, Steve Adazio, while having only one bad team in seven years, Never got past seven wins. Think about that now. If you go six and six and win your bowl game, you're seven and six. Seven and six is barely above mediocrity. You might schedule three or four very winnable games in your non-conference. Steve Adazio, by the way, never in seven years had a winning record in conference play. Never, you get eight games in the ACC in conference play. You pick, of course, your non-conference opponents with your athletic director. Never better than four and four. So four and four defines mediocrity. Six and six defines mediocrity. What could define it better than that? You won exactly as many conference games as you lost, and you won exactly as many games overall as you lost. And then maybe you added a seventh game win in a bowl game. So Steve Adazio is the circus that Boston College fans are really, 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 really tired of seeing. So in year seven, despite a bowl bid, he's out, fired as the head coach of the Eagles. Dave Doran has won more than seven games. He has had more entertaining teams. He has sent Bradley Chubb and a couple of, I think the Wolfpack has a couple of dozen players in the NFL right now. Not all of them Dave Doran players, but... Garrett Bradbury last year, Bradley Chubb on the defensive line before that. These are great. Sign good players and develop them into something special stories. But beyond that, Dave Dorn had back-to-back nine-win seasons. Boston College fans would have loved an eight-win season. In seven years, Steve Adazio never did better than seven and six. Or seven and five one year it was. Boston College fans got tired of seeing that circus. NC State fans are mad they didn't make a bowl, and they're asking, why does that guy lose his job even though he led them to a bowl? NC State fans speaking that way are forgetting that Dave Doran didn't just win back-to-back nine-win campaigns. He did it the last two years. It'd be one thing if his first two years he won nine games, and it's been nothing but mediocrity since then. It's not that for Dave Doran. He had a bad year his first year. He had a bad year his seventh year, this one. And he had five really good years that ended in bowls in between and nine win campaigns in 2017 and 2018. That doesn't matter just a little bit. That matters a lot. It completely differentiates itself from the Boston College never better than seven wins scenario. Seven years of never better than seven 
would not be tolerated by basically any Power 5 program. What BC just did with Steve Adazio is not at all unusual. Seven years and you never got us past seven wins? Come on, folks. You can schedule sometimes three or four wins in non-conference. Dave Doran has had a winning record in conference play. Seven years in, Steve Adazio never did. Dave Doran has had back-to-back nine-win seasons. Steve Adazio never got past seven. These things don't matter just a little bit, folks. They matter a lot, again, especially because it was the last two years prior to this one where Dave Doran got to the nine-win threshold. When Boo Corrigan put out a statement earlier today, the NC State Athletic Director, as we go to Steve and Apex, Gary and Wilson, and you, what was your best of the weekend? What was the worst of the weekend in your eyes? And what made it that? Boo Corrigan specifically mentioned what I just mentioned in his statement. The statement was actually Dave Huxtable, Wolfpack defensive coordinator, has been relieved of his duties. So Dave Doran is making that change. As Doran said in the release, we appreciate all of Dave's contributions to our program and wish him the best. However, moving forward defensively, I've decided we would like to go in a different direction. That was all from Dave Doran. Boo Cargan, the AD, said this. The conclusion of a season is a time to reflect, look in the mirror, and evaluate the overall direction of a program. Dave Doran is our football coach. He has earned it by winning nine games in back-to-back seasons, and I look forward to doing all I can to help Coach Doran moving forward. The 2019 season didn't unfold the way any of us wanted, but we will continue to invest in this program and to provide the resources to help NC State football compete at the highest level. Take a look around, folks. Nine wins is not easy. The Tar Heels are excited about six and six. The Demon Deacons, the the best of the big four, are only eight and four. Dave Doran had back-to-back nine-win seasons in a state where 10 or more win seasons are really, really rare. I know App State has done it almost every year, FCS and even at the FBS level. But among the heavyweight conferences, you don't see as many 10-win seasons, especially in our backyard. You can count them on one hand in the history of Duke football, the history of state football, the history of Carolina football, the history of Wake football. Ten ten wins, that's a rare threshold in this state. Dave Doran got him to nine in each of the last two years, and that's why he still has a job. Steve Adazio never got BC past seven wins in seven years. And that's why he doesn't have a job. If you needed to, there's, it's a multi-layered cake, but that is the starting point for understanding why two guys around for seven years and both of them coming off disappointing seasons, why one kept his job and one lost it. Steve and Apex, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. How you doing, Dave? How were you Thanksgiving, buddy? Great, man. We hosted, so we avoided all the crazy wintry travel uh, to my family and Maria's family. They're based in the Northeast, so we love staying right here in Raleigh. We had Darren Vaught, my producer, not here today, but uh, a great guest of the family, and we had uh, a bunch of family, other family and friends over, so it was a good time. How about for Steve and Apex? Good Thanksgiving? Yeah, I ate a lot of turkey and stuff, which is my favorite any time of year. Amen. I'm still eating the leftovers, man. Maria's out of town now. I've got like I'm trying to stretch leftovers until she comes back. I don't know if I can pull that off. <laughs> Good idea, Dave. Listen, uh, okay, th- this is where I have a problem with the, the playoff committee. It is it, definitely. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. I know Eric said one thing, but it's without a shadow of a doubt. AC, I mean, SEC bias. Period. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm explaining to you why. Because first of all. Yeah, say Clemson didn't play the bye. We're going to use both scenarios. We're going to use the eyeball test and the so-called 
schedule, strength of schedule. Okay. Okay, Clemson dropped from number one because they didn't play nobody. Okay, fine. They moved Ohio State and LSU. I was cool with that. But then somehow Alabama leaped to number one, which never played anybody anyway. And then Alabama stuck at number one until they finally played somebody and lost, and they dropped down to number three. And then they played somebody else and lost, and now they dropped down to number four. And then eventually they got kicked out. But Georgia moved up to number four. And somehow Penn State leaped for Clemson, which was – I don't care who they played. They were never better than Clemson. And I watch all these so-called great games between LSU and Alabama and LSU and the other – I mean, they're allowing all these points. Them not great games. Clemson is not going to allow nobody to score no 50 points on them. It's going to have to be a disastrous weekend that Clemson lets somebody score 48 points on them. So I don't know where it'd be with so-called great games. I'm I'm in big favor that thinking Clemson right now, yeah, they were going to get in. It was going to play its way out. Me and you knew that. But the bottom line was Clemson to me right now still overall balance-wise I think is the best team. Yeah, Ohio State, they play some competition. Then they show me some vulnerability. LSU don't have any defense. Look like Big 12 games. Alabama look like Big 12 games. Georgia is up and down like a yo-yo. So I, right now, I think Clemson is the most stable. I'm not saying they'll win it, but they look like the most stable if you want to use the eyeball test. Wouldn't it be interesting if the SEC was not even in the national championship game despite being the focus of the conversation all year long? It could happen. We'll see. I mean, some people still think the SEC will get two of the top four. Uh, since Steve just brought up Dabo Sweeney's comments, we'll play them for you on the other side. Dabo contributed to, you could call it either the pro-SEC bias. Uh, some see it in the media. Some see it in the college football playoff committee. Dabo was more implying a pro-SEC bias, but more intensely going after an anti-ACC bias because that, of course, specifically impacts his still undefeated Clemson Tigers. Dabo Sweeney, in his own words, and more of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls next on the David Glenn Show. Dabo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80. <laughs> Eight zero. The original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. One thing I promised, Dabo Sweeney, in his own words, is the Clemson coach right when he says there's a double standard, call it either pro-SEC or anti-ACC, a double standard for the leagues in football in particular, maybe even in the eyes of the committee. Here's what the Clemson coach said in part after the Tigers' big win over the rival South Carolina Gamecocks. Just as Ohio State crushed Michigan, just as number two LSU dominated Texas A&M, 50-7, those Tigers. The Clemson Tigers annihilated the Gamecocks 38-3, so it was mostly happy stuff to talk about in the aftermath. But Dabo Sweeney took a question about the Tigers' number three ranking behind the other two undefeateds, Ohio State and LSU, and at times, remember, during this season, even outside the committee's top four. Now, we all know it's only the final ranking that matters, but there are only four slots. And for part of this season, Dabo thought the Tigers were not only not getting the benefit of the doubt, they were even being discriminated against. Here was Dabo Sweeney after the Tigers went over the Gamecocks. How important is this game? It's huge. I mean, it's huge from a national standpoint because obviously if we lose this game, I mean, they're going to kick us out. They don't want us in there anyway. I mean, we've dropped to 20, you know. I mean, Georgia loses to this very same team, and the very next day it's how do we keep Georgia in it? 
we win to the team that beat South Carolina, and it's we. How do we get Clemson out? It's the dead gun mistake. So it's big because you know they can't vote us out. I mean, we gotta we gotta go under. We gotta go thirty and zero. I mean, we got no choice. But we don't play nobody. That was Dabo on Saturday. As we come back to your calls, here's where Dabo has a point, and here's where I think Dabo either is missing the bigger picture or, as Ryan McGee of ESPN said, he is simply lighting the fire among his own players, us against the world, lighting a fire among his own fan base, us against the world, chip on the shoulder. All teams play better with a chip of that sort. Dabo's best point is this. Clemson and Georgia, the number three and number four teams in last week's rankings and assumedly tomorrow night's new committee rankings as well. They're one slot apart. Clemson played South Carolina and absolutely annihilated the Gamecocks 38-3, to and they're in air quotes only number three in the eyes of the committee. The Georgia Bulldogs are one slot behind the Clemson Tigers, also played the Gamecocks head-to-head, and lost the freaking game at home. It was between the hedges in Athens, Georgia. And the Bulldogs' 11-1 resume includes, as the one, a 20-17 in double overtime loss to the Gamecocks, who not only missed a bowl but finished 4-8. and eight. From that perspective, it's weird to see your own team only one slot above the Georgia Bulldogs when you crush the Gamecocks and the Gamecocks beat the Dogs. That's Dabo's, to me, only good point. In the bigger picture, and why I believe that Dabo really is motivating from within rather than essentially attacking the integrity of the committee. Right At some point, if you're... If you're not only advocating for, say, an honest difference of opinion, if you get to the point where you're saying for some selfish reasons, TV ratings, you know, rewarding programs for past success rather than what you're supposed to reward them for, meaning this season's success, you're not supposed to pick playoff teams based on what coach has how many national championships. You're not supposed to pick playoff teams based on purely conference reputation. Now, conference reputation ends up mattering because – a lot of the opponents that you have lined up for you are decided by the league office, right? So your conference matters in that sense. But conference affiliation is not, by itself, something that matters in the committee room. Again, your conference matters because it makes up the bulk of your schedule. But you're not supposed to get like an asterisk little bump because you're a member of the SEC rather than a member of the ACC or somebody else. But here's where Dabo's bigger picture point falls apart and why I do think he's simply trying to motivate from within rather than attacking somebody's integrity based on a double standard. If you were asked about Ohio State's 12-0 resume and you just needed to boil it down as quickly as possible, they beat a Penn State team by double digits that finished 10-2. That matters. Clemson doesn't have any wins like that. So the Buckeyes beat by double digits a 10-2 Penn State team. They beat 38-7, a Wisconsin team that finished 10-2. They beat 56-27 this weekend, a Michigan team that's 9-3 and, and, of course, can get to 10 wins with a bowl win. They also went out of conference, the Buckeyes did, took on Cincinnati of the AAC. That's a team playing for that league's conference championship this week. 10-2, the Bearcats. You know what the Buckeyes did to them? 42-zip 
Buckeyes over Bearcats. And oh, by the way, there's a couple of other nice wins. Indiana finished 8-4. and four. Florida Atlantic is playing for that league's conference championship. 9-3, and three, Lane Kiffin. The Buckeyes played them out of conference as well. Beat them 45-21. to 21. I mean, I just listed six quality wins. And more importantly, four wins for the Buckeyes over teams that will be in tomorrow night's top 25 from the committee. So where do you look? How many quality wins do you have, and do you have a loss? Well, Clemson doesn't have a loss, and Georgia does, and you can argue about the one-loss resumes until the ends of time. But Clemson's resume simply is not like Ohio State's. The Buckeyes get to point to Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Cincinnati, and others. Do the Clemson Tigers have a single win over someone who will be in tomorrow night's top 25 committee rankings? Answer, no. Now, part of that is because it's a down year in the ACC. And unlike a few years ago when the ACC was as good as anybody else, it hasn't been that last year or this year. And it's not Clemson's fault that the rest of the ACC has provided what? Virginia will be at 9-3 and three in the national top 25 tomorrow night. That's it. It's going to be Clemson at number three and the Cavaliers somewhere between 20 and 25 probably. That's it. That's the depth of your league in football. Again, it's not Dabo's fault. But eight of your 12 games are against team, teams from the league that is not all that great this year. When you look for LSU, 12-0 again. Tigers are 12-0, Buckeyes 12-0, LSU 12-0. Whereas the, LSU, where the, whereas the Clemson Tigers have zero top 25 wins. As we speak, as they head to Charlotte to take on UVA, zero top 25 wins. Beating the Wahoos would be their first. Ohio State has the four I mentioned, and LSU has at least three. They beat Alabama, which finished 10-2. and two. They beat Florida, which finished 10-2. and two. They beat Auburn, which just beat Alabama and finished 9-3. and three. They also beat a Texas team that finished 7-5, and five, a Texas A&M team that finished 7-5, and five, and they have some other teams against, wins against teams that are also going to bowls. Bottom line, top 25 wins for the Buckeyes, four. Top 25 wins for the LSU Tigers, three. Top 25 wins for the Clemson Tigers, zero. I'm glad Clemson's in it, to be clear. I think Dabo's right 90-plus percent of the time with the things he says. In this case, he doesn't really mean what he's saying out loud. He's just trying to light a fire internally. Otherwise, he loses me on his argument because the only bias in play here is bias in favor of teams with better victories. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk-to-porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. Which team does Las Vegas see as the new Super Bowl favorite? Did you know the NFL just suspended a player for gambling? And how about Ron Rivera's future with the Panthers after four straight losses? Darren Gantz, next. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is The David Glenn Show.